Welcome to my basement, everybody. We just heard a big admission from uh, Julie Stover at the top of the show here. Welcome to my living room, everybody. Uh, this is my awesome. life. You're, <laughs> so you have a very lovely living room. It's awesome. And, and uh, you have a couple of kids. Uh, yes. If you didn't hear, America is <laughs> underpopulated. So the government actually came to my husband and I and asked us to uh, remedy the problem. So in the last decade, we've had a couple little ones. I'm actually pregnant right now, if you can't tell. That's with, amazing. Congratulations. Uh, do it Easter. When, so you're welcome. I have solved the population problem. Humanity will live on. Good job. <laughs> Very good job. Now, um, for those that don't know, Julie Stouffer was a uh, a very big part of Electric Playground. It is a very big part of Electric Playground. You were on the show for, I don't know, six or seven years? Um, yeah. in the I, middle uh, right, of after, right after MTV, Vic found me. I was on, you know, I was on The Real World on MTV. And mm -hmm. um, straight from that, Vic grabbed me and said, I need a gamer girl. And I was like, I am a gamer girl. And so it's a match made in heaven. And I worked for you forever. And I loved every second of it. And then I got pregnant with the first baby and life goes on. And uh, you have other wonderful gamer girls going and doing that thing. But I, I miss it. and I miss you guys. And I love it. And I still watch. So, <laughs> uh, well, that's awesome. Uh, well, you know, it, it, what was, you know, very unique. Hey, and listen, anybody that's tuning in, we are live right now. So anybody that's tuning in that wants to um, catch up and, and uh, ask questions, uh, go to the uh, Q&A section of uh the Google Hangouts, uh, the Google Plus page. Google makes this way too complicated. We should be able to just pull this right off of YouTube, but they want to have two different kinds of products here, I think. Uh, but if you go to the Google Plus page that EPN TV has, you'll be able to join the event and ask questions there. And please do. It'll be very cool to uh, uh, catch up with everybody. If you've got questions for Julie, she'd love to answer them. Because what's interesting about Julie is that she... Uh, uh, reinterprets her, her career as she goes along. So she's had a bunch of different cool jobs. And yes, one of them was in the real world. And one of them was absolutely, uh, you know, being a fantastic host for us. Uh, but now you are currently making video games. And I want to talk about that in a second. Uh, but I want to clarify that we were pretty um, intense with the with the auditioning process uh, before you joined up with us, Julie. And we talked to lots and lots of people. And the thing that really excited us about you was uh, your comfort in front of the camera, which I, you know, we definitely have to credit uh, MTV and having a camera in your face all the time, but also your innate curiosity and your, your incredible ability to have a conversation and, um, you know, engage another party and just carry through on a very unique conversation. And what we did is we actually had a lot of um, female potentials come through and we, we videotaped a lot of people to see how they would do in a setting with David Perry, who uh, generously donated his time. Uh, we also had a casting director uh, that worked in the video game industry donate her time. I forget, I forget her name right now, which is terrible. Uh, but we had a lot of people audition and they, they were asking David Perry questions the whole time. And you were by far the best. And Tommy and uh -huh. I were, uh, were sitting down watching a lot of these people. Everybody was, you know, game for it. And, and, uh, you know, hungry to so try some. I was so nervous, Vic, because oh. the thing, I had an agent, right? You go on MTV, you get an agent. I had my agent and they said, there's this show and it's a get and back, you know, back then, Electric Playground was the first. There were, there yes. were not video game shows. Yeah. And so when I heard there's a show about video games and I'm just like, oh my God, I want this one. I have to have this. But 
I was very green. I didn't know the auditioning process. And so I get in the room and you're right. There was a line of like supermodels out in that waiting room. And I was very intimidated because these are like gorgeous women, professionally trained. And here I am like, I'm the real world girl. <laughs> so I come in this room. There were two auditions. I don't know if you remember this, but we did the first. I somehow got through the, the, the first round. Yeah. And then there was the David Perry. And I was just so nervous. But then he was, whatever we were talking about, and I don't remember exactly what we were talking about, it was actually very interesting. And yeah. so I just found myself uh, actually enjoying the conversation, thank God, <laughs> because I think I just kind of forgot that we were auditioning and that was my saving grace because you were there with Tommy, remember? Yeah. And you were both there and I was like, at the beginning I was just sweating bullets and then it was awesome after that. So, <laughs> And that's honestly what we wanted. We wanted somebody that could uh, just be comfortable in a conversation, you know, and it really had nothing to do with, uh, you know, being a supermodel or, or being a professional host. I mean, we were a bunch of, uh, you know, I had talked with Tommy last week and we were making it up as we went along. But the one thing that we really wanted was a sense of fun and a sense of adventure and a sense of, uh, um, you know, helping us, figure this out and helping it make it better, you know, as opposed to what's the job? What do I have to say? Where do I have to stand? How do I have to look? And, you know, is there going to be a whole support kind of group around me to help me and prop me up with all this? We didn't have the money and we didn't have the time and we certainly didn't want to make that kind of show. And I honestly, I feel like a lot of shows that have tried to break into games. They're so LA. They're yeah, so LA. They, you know? And they've spent way too much in that direction. They've just tried to make it look like how a movie show would look or how a, uh, you know, a music show or some other kind of entertainment show. And and games are, are very different and they're very much a kind of a freeform thing. And I think what happened is because we really, you know, made the effort to ingrain ourselves with the video game industry, even more than the television industry in a lot of ways, I think the video game industry really ended up falling in love with you and ended up, uh, you know, Aww. inviting you to all kinds of really cool things. And I know that you hosted a bunch of things, but I, I would love to hear your memories and, and some of the, some of the things that you kind of reminisce about uh, around electric playground. Oh, there's just, you know, it's years of memories and the coolest people that I've ever met. And I wish I just, I, I loved it so much. And, you know, I did host other shows. I think I, I sat in for Morgan Webb for a minute. So Adam Sessler and I did a couple episodes um, and I, various other shows that I would bounce around. And I was an author for Gamer, Game Informer Magazine and a couple other mags. Um, you know, so I did a lot within the industry, but it always came back to EP. And it was always, you know, and I would even get, from time to time again, I would I'd get job offers to go work for this game company or go do this with this other show or whatever. And, but it, none of them really felt the same way uh, as the projects that you, Vic, you always had a way of making it more organic and, mm -hmm. and just, um, I don't know that there was a, a family you created and I didn't really want to be a part of another family. And it was so fun to learn about video games and the whole industry, because it's one thing to be a gamer, and then it's a whole nother thing to learn the game industry. And I feel like you taught me that. And I learned that, you know, it was seven years. It's a long time, but it was a, a full on education for me. And it really did change my life because now, even though I'm a you know stay at home mom, I still do games. I still I'm making games now and I've started an indie company. But more importantly, 
I think that there's this passion that I have for it. I defend the industry now and that, you know, I'm the mom in the PTA that wants my kids playing video <laughs> games and we have stacks of them and the other moms are like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but I get, yeah. to, I get to explain it, you know, and, and um, when people hear about what I've done, you know, and see clips, because obviously the show's all over the internet and we have, I have all the, the copies here and I'm proud of showing it. And when I show people, they kind of, they stop and they're like, whoa, this is really awesome. And what you created is so awesome. And so, um, yeah, I've just been really grateful. And I have, you know, I have tons of really cool memories of different shoots that we did and all the conferences, which were so fun, which I miss like crazy. Cause now when, you know, E3 comes out, I'm like, I can't be there. I know. I know. <laughs> but, uh, it's but, yeah, weird. You do amazing stuff and you have amazing talent now. And I, like, I, I watch it and I just think, what an incredible ride. I'm so lucky that I get to be a part of it. Such a big well, part of it, you know? I, I am so lucky that people believe me enough to come along on these crazy journeys and I get to work with people like you. And what's weird for me is that you, I carry all of you with me all the time, you know? Like you're all a part of my, my EP family and we really did build a family, you know? And, and I, I care very much about every person that's been a part of this behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And uh, we've of course lost a lot of people along the way. There's no other way to make television for this long without lots of transitions and changes, but you're all very present in my memory and in my mind. And, and that's the stuff that I reflect on and, and you know, when I think about it, that's the stuff I'm, I'm the proudest of is uh, these collaborations and these opportunities with all these, these very interesting people. The one thing that I will never forget is uh, Steve-O at that party. Oh. <laughs> Cause, cause... Yeah, dude, and I'm like newly married, right? Yeah. And my husband, and we are like, we're Mormon at the time. I don't know if you knew, we're not, we don't, uh, we're not practicing anymore. We are not religious in any way. Amazing. But my husband and I at the time were very religious and, um, we go and I'm interviewing Steve-O and my husband is standing like right behind you, I think. He's just yep. like right there, my new husband. And Steve-O just, I don't remember what we were talking about, but he just drops his pants. Yep. Just fuck naked right <laughs> on camera. And like, it's like an inch away from me, right? Oh, I'm like red as a beat. My husband's falling out. I'm just looking at him. I'm just like, oh my God, well, uh, what am I going to do now? You're busting up. You're laughing hysterically. The camera guy can't even hold it still. It was that insane. Was, it was incredible. He was, was awesome. doing helicopters. <laughs> and then he, he he pulled out a big bag of weed out of his back pocket and stuck it on your face, I think. It was oh just like gosh. It was, was the craziest interview. Yeah. That and the Anna Nicole Smith where she was talking about oh, squirting milk out of her boobs and stuff. I don't know if you remember that. I but do remember that, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> You know, that is the weird thing is the, the gaming industry, uh, of course, has, the, you know, the, these amazing developers who are pretty much heads down, you know, not really getting into the celebrity aspect of it, just sort of building and, and uh, you know, crafting these experiences for us. But then there's this whole other world, this world of crazy celebrity like Andy Dick and, and uh, Anna Nicole Smith and so many of them that have become attracted to games or end up at the parties for games. And we would be there just documenting all of it. And it was a very, very weird juxtaposition, you know, of, of these kind of quiet and shy developers that were, we'd have to kind of force some of these guys to get in front of the camera. And then oh, yeah. these celebrities that 
would do anything to just have the camera on them all the time. You know, it was it was crazy. Yeah, Maybe and the show's also, fun though. Oh, it's tons of fun. It has, been, but you know, it's been such a transition. I remember very early on. You know, we're talking about back in two thousand or something. Yeah. Um, doing just to see how games have changed over the years. Because mm -hmm. I remember doing an interview. You probably don't remember this, but it's burning my memory because I was so nervous. You were mad at me. We uh, did an interview. It was some beach volleyball game, and it was about the most sexist thing you've ever seen. But uh, this I was, was proud of you. I remember this. You remember this? Yep. Oh my gosh! And I was so angry. My ears were so hot as this guy's explaining how the girls weren't wearing anything. And I think there was like a sex scene or, and not that this stuff doesn't happen in games, but in 2000, this game in particular, and That's, I don't remember the name of it, it's but it was like, beach volleyball. It was bad yeah. though. Yeah. I or think at least was... I thought it was. <laughs> and so my oh, feminist, you know, anger was like rearing out of me. And I don't usually get that way because I, I'm a gamer. I get it. I like it. Yeah. I don't mind it. But back that, that game in particular, and I don't remember what I said in the interview, but the guy got mad. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, he yeah. was not happy with me. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, it's going to fire me. <laughs> no, no, no. I was very proud of you. And it's absolutely the stuff that, you know, needs to be said and still needs to be said, you know. And uh, Marissa, uh, when she joined us full time and moved up to Vancouver and I started reviewing with her, I really wanted her to just have her peace and say, uh, uh, you know, what she thought of, of the sexism, the rampant sexism that exists in video games, because, I mean, that's a... That remains an issue in the game industry. We need we need a lot more voices and a lot more flavors and a lot more style and um, and choices, you know, and and a lot more ways in for a lot of different people. And that's even in two. I mean, what's refreshing is it's gotten better, wouldn't you say? I mean, I would say from two thousand till now, it's amazing that those voices are out there now, and it is getting better. And you know, you have a daughter, I have a daughter, and yep. we're raising our girls in gaming and i'm not nearly as afraid as i would have been a decade ago that you know this was what they were going to have to be seeing now i feel like we're moving in the right direction it gets me excited um, more girls are becoming a part of making games which is absolutely encouraging and thrilling and so yeah you know it's just funny to think about the transit well this is a fast-moving industry i mean think about it we're we're in it's your whole lifetime <laughs> it's like from the inception of games until now and so it's so interesting to just see how it moves every decade it changes so quickly i i know and i don't think there's another medium that has as many um reinterpretations or reinventions as games and that's one of the things that makes it unbelievably exciting to document and cover and to to be around you know and uh certainly i've been doing this for a long time but i i also appreciate how many people i meet and talk with that have also been making games or talking about games for a tremendously long time and uh, I feel like once you get it, once you understand it, and once you, once you kind of fall in love with video games, you don't want to you don't want to leave. You know, you don't want to stop playing them or finding out about them or making them. If you're if you're uh, fortunate enough to to enjoy the, the place that you're working at and the stuff that you're making, because I've seen a lot of changes for sure, a lot of uh, changes in the in the content and a lot of changes in the the sort of corporate. Uh, makeup of uh, different studios and and um, you know a lot of ways that content gets filtered out to people but what I see you know I'll give you a great example we were just in San Francisco and I was with Blake who's sitting right beside me right here right now and we were uh, walking down the street after we had uh, visited there's Blake hello um, af after we had visited uh, Double Fine Studios and we were walking back to the hotel and we're crossing the street 
and there's this guy in uh, glasses across the street with a little little white beard, and I'm I'm on on the other side. And we're both kind of just staring at each other, going, "Is that? Is that?" Eh? And we get to the middle of the street, and we both recognize, yeah, it's it was Tom Hall, who was one of the uh, original guys from id Software, who now works in mobile games and stuff. He's going to be making a game with uh, uh, the Hell's Kitchen guy. I forget what's the what's the chef. Uh, with Gordon Ramsay, he's going to be making a game with Gordon Ramsay. But we just had this little mini conversation, this little tiny mini kind of meetup in the middle of the street, and and he never left games. I mean, this is a guy that was a part of, uh, you know, Doom and Quake, and and uh, he was the head guy in Anachronox, which is a really obscure uh, PC RPG that was a uh, a very cool game. Uh, he's just shifted his focus and and the things that he, but he just never left it, and he's uh, a terrific guy. So it was just amazing to to see him and you know kind of inspiring to see him and to see that uh, you you adjust and you change because this is obviously right now this is a big change for us to be uh making shows like this but it's also you know it's very fun i mean this is it's fun to continue talking about stuff and it's fun to now engage viewers and we do have uh actually some questions we have a guy uh daniel y was this uh, DOA Extreme Beach uh, Volleyball? And I believe I believe sounds, it was, right? It sounds right, I think. It was so yeah. long ago, but yeah. I and think it wasn't, uh, the guy that you were talking with, I don't think was uh, Tomonobu Itagaki, who is the, who was, he, do, he doesn't work for Tecmo anymore, but he was the guy that was kind of the head of, uh, uh, of the DOA franchise. And I know that he has a lot of sexualized characters in um, in those games, um, and it, he, he comes from a different era, and he comes from a different uh, a different way of looking at things with this stuff. Um, and it's like I don't have a don't problem with the game. I think I had a. Pro it was in the interview. It was like something ignited a fire that was sure. said or something. Because you know, I inherently I know these games are going to exist, and I don't have to buy them. That's the beauty of the commerce, right? You have the power to buy what you like and not what you, don't buy what you want. Don't but don't whine about the fact that someone's making something they like. Because I'll be truthful, I make the kind of games I like now, and yeah. you're not going to maybe like them. You're not going to buy them, but I, you know, hopefully you don't have people just ranting. But at the same time. Uh, there has to be a line of, you know, I think there was something that crossed the line with that game that I just oh, I, feel I, I mean, it's the rampant sexism. It's looking at women as uh, just collectible objects that we yeah. objectify. And yeah, it's, it's horrible. And I don't want my daughter exposed to junk like that. And I think that things have, uh, you know, the last one we reviewed, probably the last one that came out and we were just embarrassed, you know, it was just, it's, and I, I think what's happened is a lot of the, uh, the market around that kind of, fetishistic uh, objectification of women is starting to really change. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's about time. Um, it, but these things do take time, you know, they take a little bit of maturity, they take the audience expanding and more women coming in and jumping in and playing video games. And, you know, I'm happy to say that, uh, you know, people like you and Zoe Flower and Jade Raymond and uh, you know, Miri and Brianna and Marissa, like, I, I think that you, you all helped and you all contributed to expanding the discussion and expanding the, uh, uh, you know, the talk about video games and the sort of the way that they're perceived by, a, you know, the, the female segment of the, uh, of the population, you know, and I, 
I think you did great work. You know, sometimes it always feels a little bit, um, uh, you know, like we're just silly and a little superficial. Like we're just doing interviews about cutesy things and toys and video games and things. But I, I, I think we need this as popular culture. And I think we need this escapism uh, and this imagination to kind of, live really fun full lives and i i think that the jobs that we have all had around this programming we certainly were very absolutely fortunate to be able to have this stuff but i think there's a there's a responsibility to be that conduit to these these different creators and uh it's not always light it's not always what well, we love everything you know and and i was very proud of you that day to kind of just put your flag in the ground and say this sucks and this is really <laughs> This is this is not a healthy thing for the business to be kind of presenting about women out there. I know. And then I was like, how do you do reviews on the run? Because you're putting your flag down a lot. <laughs> I am. And we piss people off for sure. You know, and I've, I've gotten a few heated emails from uh, developers and stuff right from the get go. But uh, I think what's happened over years is that people have just come to understand my tastes and how I communicate about, uh, communicate about that stuff. And that certainly has become a, the way for a lot of the other uh, reviewers and correspondents over the years too. You know, that's the the great privilege of of uh, consistency and and being in people's lives that that was granted to us that uh, uh, we never take for granted. You know, but um, yeah, it's been really cool. Got a question here from uh, Matt Hill. What is it like going from TV to making video games, and how do you find ideas for video games? Oh, I guess that's for me. That's so. It's been a really random, strange, interesting process, and I'm sure mine is unlike maybe most indie game developers, but, oh, sorry, that's my kids in the background. That's okay. But, um, yeah, so basically what happened was um, I, wasn't, I wasn't doing EP, I was still playing a lot of games, and I started to have these ideas about a certain kind of game that I wanted to make. And I have a, a brother that's a big gamer, and he and I would talk about man, if we could make a game, this is the kind of game we would make, and this is how the gameplay would be. And, you know, you actually talk, we would talk for probably about a year, and we would just be kind of like bitching and griping, like, why isn't there a game like this? Why are so many games this way? And finally, we just kind of were like, you know what? We should just shut up and make the game that we want to make. And then, you know, because <laughs> it's just like, it's one thing to sit around and talk, but then I was like, how do you even do that? Because I'm not trained. I'm not a programmer. I'm not Jade Raymond. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that side of things. Um, but my brother really, he took the gumption to go and first, you know, luckily we live in a time when, when um, the average person, if you have enough motivation, you actually can um, learn how to make a game. And so, you know, as many people do, we started with Unity and he learned C plus and it took years. And I got on Blender, I'm like the Blender queen. And we started making, you know, we started doing the modeling and we started making making the codes and figuring out how we wanted to. Um... So anyway, we started this company, it's called Kitty Soft Studios. Very nice. And it's kind of duly based in California and in Texas where he is. And then um, we have some people up in Silicon Valley and and a few other really smart minds. Um, we do all of our own, own, own music and, um, We've done the whole, I mean, we're as indie as it gets. We have done the whole thing ourselves. And our first title, our flagship title is really our only game. And we started this company to make this game. It's called Marty Thinks Fourth Dimensionally. And I named it that because um, obviously it's a nod to one of my favorite trilogies, Back to the Future. But it's yeah. also, um, 
it's not it's not a Back to the Future game. It's but it is a a time travel game, and it's got some. Uh, well, you know, we can talk about like what it what it's about. But the important thing, the point, kind of to get to his question, is um, we wanted to make a game, and so we started a company to make that particular game. Now, there's many people that start indie companies because they want to make they want to make games, and we're kind of we started with one game in mind, but then over the years that it takes to learn to make a game, which it literally has taken like four years, guys. This yeah. is not a fast process. But over the course of making Marty, we've actually, now we've got an idea for an RPG that we want to maybe make. So it's like that wasn't even in the picture at the beginning. Um, so it's just, it's been fun. It's been really exploratory and uh, we're just, <laughs> we're really newbie at it, but man, we don't have a million dollar budget, but we we love gameplay and we've just really we're banking on that people will kind of see our vision. Hopefully some people like the kind of games we like, you know, that's awesome. So how many people at Kitty Soft then? Five and one on the way. Oh. <laughs> so we've, got, we've got five, potentially six people. We do all our own music. Um, concept art, all the programming and everything. So it's like, you know, the game is not as beautiful as uh, some of the other indie companies that have more resources and, but I think it's beautiful in its own way. And honestly, it's got unique art and the music's good and the gameplay's awesome. The gameplay's awesome. And that's what I cared about. You know, at the end of the day, I was like, this game is not going to look as good as most games. It can't because yeah. we are who we are, yeah. but it's such a, okay. So I'm just going to tell you the cool thing about the game. Okay. The thing that we were so excited about is you see so many time travel games, right? We've all played mm -hmm. them. And so don't think that this is Braid or something, because it's not. What we've done is we've taken the time travel element and you, you essentially are playing a character who goes back in time and uses, it, uses his past selves to complete missions. So, right. so it's just a little bit unique. And I can't really explain how that translates. Well, it's a puzzle platform. It's like an isometric puzzle platformer. So if you can, you know, just go on our website and there's like a demo you can play and you can yeah, kind of get I wish, I wish I was better with uh, Google Hangouts. I will learn this shit, but I don't know it yet. But uh, we could <laughs> we could have probably popped up a whole other window with uh, showing the game as we're talking about it. But I don't know how to do that yet. I we'll know. We'll have out. a trailer on uh, YouTube and then there's a playable demo on Itch.io and we're going to be at PAX South next weekend. No which way. Which is exciting. That's so awesome. we have a booth. It's let me see what booth is. It's fifteen oh nine five. So one five oh nine five. Come so to our booth. 20, 2016 then is your year. This is the year of the oh, game yeah, coming out and everybody getting to know that you make games now. Yeah, we're super no nervous because we did the title launch on Back to the Future Day because right. we just wanted to get that out there. But then the the game we have a play like a demo playable version now, but I'm still beta testing all day long. Yeah. So we're looking for summer. We're going to do a Kickstarter. This We're actually going to get it on Greenlight tonight on Steam. Okay. Well, maybe this weekend. Let's say this weekend for Greenlight. <laughs> and then we'll be at PAX next weekend, jump off with a Kickstarter. And then this summer, it's it's out. So That's awesome. Jesus Christ, it's nerve-wracking, though, because this is like five years or like – I don't know, man. We'll just that, see. We'll just see. That's amazing. Oh. That's that's dream building. We have a we have a guest star. Who is this? This is my little son. Come here, Wesley. Hello. Wesley came home sick from school today. Oh, uh, Wesley, are you not feeling well, buddy? Where is yeah. he? He's hiding behind the chair. Like a little bit of his head right there. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome. How adorable. Wesley, I hope you feel better, buddy. 
Your mom and I used to work together and hang out all the time. She's awesome. <laughs> Wesley's awesome, but yeah, he puked at school. So they called me and they're like, come pick up your son. Oh, yes. Yes. See, this is why I'm telling you, I don't have much going on. I beta test all day. I yep. do blender and I pick up my pukey kids from school. This is my life, Vic. It's That's a pretty full life. That's good. That's awesome. <laughs> and and uh, so is this, you, you know, you're going to get your first one out. You, we don't know how it's going to do yet. Obviously, we're just starting the, the sort of commercialization of your business here. But have you have you got the fever? Are you thinking, oh, my God. We have just got it. We're going to be making games until we're old and gray, you and your brother. I mean, I feel like if we don't go crazy. Oh, is he here? Hi. Yeah. Hi, Hi, buddy. That's Vic. Hello. <laughs> I definitely have the fever for making them. Yeah. The marketing side is a whole different animal. Yeah. And like, I never knew that before that. It's like winning the lottery, getting big in indie. You know, it's just, it's, it's hard. And so we'll keep doing it. Oh, yeah, we're going to keep making games. But I don't know that we're ever going to have the budget to do massive graphics and amazing marketing campaigns and do all, you know, I probably, I might never have a booth at E3, yeah. but I have a booth at PAX. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, going, we're starting there. And, um, yeah, we have some other game ideas now, which is crazy because we really started with just, oh, we're just going to make this one game. We want to be like this one-hit wonder. Then it's like, oh, you know what actually would also be cool? And so we we're kind of starting into new ideas. And so I've got, yeah, like now, now both my brothers are on board because my other brother is a musician. And so he does all the music. And That's then we've awesome. got some really great guys that we've that I've just kind of met through the industry um, helping out. Um, yeah. So it's exciting, you know. Have but Have you been gaming this whole time since, uh, since the EP days? Have you just sort of, you know, kept up with some of the titles and things like that along the, along the way? Yeah, I've been doing more indie stuff because obviously I've been interested in kind of like seeing how that whole world goes. Yeah. Um, mainstream, I still have been, you know, I'm still looking for the new Zelda and I'm playing Splatoon and um, so Rocket League, I think. But, um, you know, I'm still playing as much as I can. And these little guys are finally starting to like to play. So, what do they play? <sighs> well, mostly just like phone app stuff now. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. My <laughs> My daughter loves the stupid, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but like she loves Angry Birds, right? Yeah. I'm just like, oh, why? <laughs> yeah, they took over so the So I get the Wii out. The Nintendo stuff is really easy for the kids. So sure. they, we, we get them playing that. Like my, my daughter, she'll button mash on Splatoon and stuff like that. So where do you guys check out uh, Lego Dimensions? It's, it's amazing. And, and uh, the Disney Infinity stuff. I don't know if you've got any of that stuff at home. Nice. Yeah, I can't. It's it's fun to explore this with your kids, you know, because you kind of see it through new eyes. I'm sure yep. you're doing that too with your daughter. It's just, it's and they're so young picking it up. This guy's three, right? Three yeah. years old, and he's so into it. And I'm like, what? Why didn't I get started that young? And you you have another daughter, right? Yep, I have um, my son Wesley, and I have a daughter Evelyn who's six. She's upstairs. Who's six years old already, and is she already into games? So she's got the Angry Birds thing going on, but is is she into other stuff too? She's basically doing app games. So I mean, she'll play she'll play a little bit. She'll like button mash, like I said. Yeah. She's not. She'll she will, will like my like dad and I will be sitting down playing a console game, and she'll be like. Well, let me play, but then it's just, oh, but you know what she does? She loves the dance games because okay, that's cool. easy with the, with the controls and stuff. And so she's all into the dance games lately. That's but, awesome. Uh, 
Yeah, no, they're fun. They're like little gamer kids, and uh, but not. I don't know. It's the funny part is when I go, you know, when I have their little friends over, and yeah. I let them play games, of course. Sure. And then the moms pick them up, and they're just like. So I loved. I kind of like what you were talking about. When you're in the industry, you wanna, you really get into the industry kind of for life. And I find myself defending video games a lot with these moms that are kind of my contemporaries now. And they're all like, oh, video games is contributing to gun violence in America. And oh my God. I kind of tell them what I think about that and give them my piece because, I mean, my kids, they're rocket smart, dude. And I think it's because they game. I really do think that helps. So. I mean, it's, uh, we, we play no matter what. And interactive entertainment is just another conduit, another way to experience play. And and uh, also interact with a computer mechanism or a computer device of some sort. And I, I mean, uh, I, I certainly talk about all this stuff with my wife quite a bit because she obviously doesn't want our daughter playing things all the time. She doesn't want her to become like me. Uh, but we, I, I, I kind of look Why at not? video games. Why not? you so bad? <laughs> Come on, Vince. <laughs> but I, I mean, I certainly look at video games. As, it's another way to tell stories. It's another means of creative expression. And so these things are another they're like books you know they're a different way to to kind of access uh communication and storytelling and and uh, i think they're important and they should be a part of the the appetite and a part of the the the, the sort of touch points for people of all ages and i think that people that get freaked out about it are just watching too much fox news and they're just believing the bs and they're all voting for Trump. <laughs> What's that? They're all voting for Trump. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, except Trump would love it if they made a Trump video game. That's true. He would yeah. be selling it number one. <laughs> like yeah. it would be on all the shelves. I know. He's so gross. I, hope, yeah. I really hope he doesn't get in. All right. So uh, I've got a question here that's for me. Uh, did Marissa Roberto leave EP? Um, no, she did not leave EP. And uh, um, she is also still part of the family. But we're on a hiatus from making television. We don't have the budget to make TV shows. So what we're doing is uh, a lot more streaming content, a lot more video content, things like this, where, where uh, I, I interview people live. Um, and uh, I am still having a lot of discussions around um, like I've had to do many times in my past around uh, having the resources and the budgets to build more TV programming. Uh, but um, Marissa did move back to Toronto and uh, we'll be catching up with her very soon. But she did not leave EP. Um, okay. Uh, we got one there from Matt. I've got one from Donnie S, which is more of a comment. He's saying, wow, blast from the past. Hi, Vic. Hi, Julie. This is the thing. We've got a lot of viewers out there. Do you hear from from longtime fans of the show ever? Do people reach out to you on forums or, or uh, Twitter or anything like that? I do. And that's kind of one of my fun thrills that I get to still be recognized, um, especially when it happens in the industry, because I'll still be recognized for the MTV stuff, even all these years later. Yes. Which is fun and fine, but I'm not like proud of it in the same way that I'm, you know, I'm proud of the stuff we've done with EP and I'm, I'm proud of what we're doing now. And so I love it when people recognize me for EP. It's my favorite. So if you ever see me out in the world, say hi. That's cool. awesome. I know that you're home alone and you're a parent right now. You don't have, uh, you don't, your husband's not there. So if you have to get up for the kids, don't hesitate. Okay. Next time you have a question for you, I'll go get 
him taking care of. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, actually, I'll answer one right now because I don't, I don't want Wesley to be sad. Well, I'll be back. Okay. Uh, if this one is from uh, Silver Spider, great name. Uh, Vic, I got to ask, why don't you put up new episodes of EP Daily on Netflix? I get asked about Netflix quite a bit, and we have a great relationship with Netflix. They're, they're awesome. Um, we, we do work with them all the time. Uh, but I think if you notice a lot of their programming, it's not really the kind of stuff that we make, which is more sort of about industry and about the... Uh, the way that this stuff gets made and, and uh, chatting about this kind of stuff. Netflix, I think right now, and I've had discussions about partnering and putting stuff over there and who knows, it might happen someday. They're, they're really cool people. Um, obviously very successful and, and they will expand into lots of other things. But I think what they're doing right now is they're putting a catalog together of these uh, binge watch type shows right now. The, uh, the kinds of shows like Daredevil or, or uh, Jessica Jones, where you sit down and you watch 13 episodes at a time because you, you're obsessed with them. And we're kind of like a check in every day and sort of keep up with stuff, kind of news magazine type uh, show the way that we run EP right now. But maybe we'll do something with them, maybe some documentaries or something like that. That'd be very fun. Very cool. Um, and let's see. My audio is low compared to, oh, you know what? I'm probably sitting too far back from the the uh mic okay does that sound better um okay uh let's see love the show been a fan from the start thank you matt hill um and what's it like going from uh tv to making videos um you know what it's it's uh it's fun having a little bit more time wouldn't you say that blake like just the the ability to kind of just, uh, you know, sit down and talk with people and have, uh, you know, have an extended conversation. The, the division was kind of, we just did this preview on the division, which we posted this week was, was kind of a, a sort of a first uh, crack at seeing, you know, what would happen if we did a long form kind of preview. And, uh, you know, I was a bit nervous putting that up there because that was almost the length of a full episode of Electric Playground and, and an EP episode. We're bouncing back and forth on so many different topics so quickly. Um, but when I kind of played it back, I was like, well, there's kind of a ton of information in this. And I think people that are, you know, a little bit curious about what's going on with uh, with this game are, are probably going to appreciate all of the sort of interaction I had with the developer and uh, the feedback has been great so far. So we've been shooting a, a few more um, uh, interviews in this last week, and, and we're sort of putting this plan together production-wise to kind of extend them out a little bit. And so that's going to be, I think, one of the big differences with the videos that we post as opposed to the TV show. Uh, okay, you're back, Julie. Is Wesley okay? I have a question. Oh, Wesley just puked again. Oh, my God. All right, well. Is he okay now? What's he doing? I put him in front of the um, cars, and so he's cool. He's okay. cool. D Disney's got it handled. Okay. Disney always has it handled. Oh but listen, God. I was just sitting here thinking, I have a question for Vic. Okay. You go ahead. I have a memory of staying at your house many times in yes. Canada. And your basement had the best DVD collection I've ever seen in yes. my life. Do you still have that collection in your basement? Yeah, you know what? I do. Uh, I have DVDs and Blu-rays and uh, um, obviously a lot of games. But uh, 
I, I thought about sort of packing up the DVDs and just sticking them away or, you know, at, at one point selling them or whatever, because you can get everything digitally now, right? Uh, I, but nobody would want them. Nobody, I mean, they're, re they're really valueless unless you own them to for you, right, as your archive. And so I, I have them all up on, uh, on shelves and on the walls, and I have a crazy media collection. And what's interesting is that Between we're- DVDs and, and video games, you are a blockbuster. Like you are a whole blockbuster in your basement. <laughs> it, it kind of is a little bit like that. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. And and uh, uh, it's like a moment in time, you know, because now we're moving forward on this, you know, in this kind of reality of people not needing to possess any media anymore, you know? and. This idea of having a whole wall of of uh, books and games and things that kind of represent your tastes, that, that's got to like that's going away, and that's got to be impacting the furniture industry in a massive way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, they, like, who's buying shelves anymore? Right. Well, and it's scary too because I'm like, who's going to buy my game? Like, they're probably just going to play it for free online. What? How does anyone make? How does anyone make it in this industry, indie? I don't know, but they're doing it, man. And I just kudos to them because they're doing it well. But. Well, dis discovery is the biggest problem, is the biggest issue that the uh, the indie scene faces. And, um, you know, it's a very, very different space. Like right now, I get contacted from indie developers about their games, I don't know, four or five times a day from all over yeah. the world. And yeah. and they are very hungry to get these titles into people's hands to play them and to get any exposure that they can. And, you know, I mean, well, the other thing that's happened is the outlets in the industry have really taken a hit, too. Right. There are there are fewer there are no magazines pretty much anymore, except for Game Informer. And there are fewer kind of established gaming sites. There's lots and lots and lots of. Uh, of sites that are fighting for attention and, and um, you know, kind of hobby sites out there and lots and lots of YouTube streamers and things like that. But uh, the the sort of channels of the way the games industry kind of got recognized is starting to really shift and change. And a lot of it is going to be word of mouth and uh you know user scores and and people sharing that kind of stuff it's, i think it's a lot of the same stuff that happened with the music business you know like i know it's crazy when we launched marty thinks fourth dimensionally the title just yeah. a title launch but i'm like let's do it on back to the future day because you know i'm sure somebody will want to pick that up and that'll be so i swear to you i emailed hundreds of just Websites, e you know, every outlet I can imagine, whether it was game, whether it was just mainstream media, whatever. Yeah. And it's unbelievable how difficult it is to even get anyone to like. I'm like, but you're a you're a game outlet, and this is a game, a new indie game about back to. Well, I mean, it's not about Back to the Future at all, but it's you know, it's Marty thinks fourth dimensionally. That's like a nod to Back to the Future, and it's Back to the Future Day. What else are you running today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get it? You know, it's just hard to get. It's hard to get attention. It's hard to get your name out there. And um, so I think you have to do it for the love of it. Because if I was trying to do it to be really successful, I'm just setting myself for, self up for heartbreak, right? So yeah, yeah. I want to just do it for, you know, it's like a hobby that wouldn't it be amazing if somebody shared your vision and loved the game too. And if you can get a few people out there that love it and play it, 
I, that's all I it's really all I want from it. Um, well, and that's yeah. that's you know certainly the part uh, where Kickstarter comes in and Patreon and things like that come in. I mean, I th I think that everybody that's creating media, no matter what level, I mean, this is why we're seeing things like uh, you know Nathan Fillion and and Alan Tudyk having to go to Kickstarter to get a a project that they want to get off the ground funded, you know, and uh, what was the Veronica Mars wouldn't have been a movie unless Kickstarter supporters got involved to, to do that kind of stuff. Like it's a, it's a, it's a tricky universe right now to find the financing and find the exposure and sort of prove a market out there. Um, yeah, it's just different. It is cool. You know, it's cool to think that Kickstarter can be a thing and you can put your dollar, your dollar is your vote, right? And yeah. so you can put your dollar, you can just go on Kickstarter any day and start voting. And that's yeah. cool. You got it. You know, on one hand, it's frustrating because of the way things are changing. But on the other hand, I get excited because I'm like, consumers have more direct access now. We have more power. And, um, you know, maybe it's a little bit harsh, but it's like, like it, love it, hate it. I mean, you can do this all very publicly. It's all online. It's accessible. So, yeah, you just, you're putting your balls out there. <laughs> but we're, that's what we're doing, right? This is what we do professionally is we just put ourselves out there. So. Just like Steve-O. I just like Steve-O. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you got you have to uh yeah you have to use the technology that's kind of available to you and the resources that are available to you and and uh i think people crave authenticity and and passion and and good storytelling around what you're trying to uh your pitch out there and uh and i i think the other thing is is that there are so many creators in the world now right they've got they've got something that they're doing too maybe they have day jobs or whatever but they they create as well and they share as well and i think that people get caught up in like-minded kind of sharing and discussion around that stuff and if, and community around that stuff and you know none of that was really possible before it was all channel constriction it was all sort of shepherded by tastemakers and decision makers at media outlets and all of that is gone you know now it's really up to uh the power of the, the the personal passion and the power of a personal brand and and uh, and collecting a, a community that's going to stay with those individuals and those properties that those individuals kind of create. You know, I mean, look at what we're doing right now. This 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 is a dream. You know, like it's and it's relatively easy, although it still confuses the shit out of me. But it, it's re it's relatively easy to have a discussion with someone and, and broadcast it and have people join in and ask questions. And I mean, this is amazing. Like, we could never do this when we first met each other. Okay, in a minute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, good. no, I totally agree. And it's so it's like, it's a dream. It's amazing. And you know, Google is relatively easy to figure out. Yeah. And it's going to get better. It's only going to improve. And so it's exciting to think about our kids and they're growing up in this world. And oh my gosh, what is the game industry going to look like in 20 years? I know. I don't know, man, but I really want to be around to see it. I hope I don't like toss off early. Hopefully this baby doesn't kill me. Oh, uh, how, how are you doing? How do you feel? I mean, this is going to be your third kid. How are you feeling? Do you see this belly? Look at this. Like, oh, do you see oh, this? Oh, not bad. <laughs> That's a baby in there. When are you due? When is this one coming? Easter. It's an Easter baby. Easter baby. Okay, not too far away. And do we know it's a boy or a girl? We're going to let it be a surprise. Really? I like surprises. In this day and age, that's pretty remarkable. That's fantastic. 
I know. It's actually yeah. hard because when I go in for the ultrasounds, I'm like, don't tell me. And yeah. they're like, what? And I'm like, no, 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 really, don't slip and tell me, like in all the bad medical dramas where they accidentally tell. And so for I haven't sure. had that happen yet, but. That happens in real life for sure. So you guys live in a town. Can I say this? Do you want me to tell people yeah, where you sure. live? Yeah. But you better come visit. I got a guest room back there for you. It's ready. I, I love the place that you live. And the reason that I, I went there, it's called San Luis Obispo. And the first time that I went there, I don't know, did you come on that trip? Oddworld. Or the I was Oddworld Inhabitants. I was with you. We did that interview. That and was Oddworld, amazing. Oddworld is not there downtown anymore, but no. you know their name is still on the door. Is it? So I went and took a picture. Actually, for you, I took a picture next to the Oddworld door. <laughs> well, I, you know, like there are towns that you see and meet and travel to and or people in towns and, and places that you travel to that you never forget. And San Luis Obispo was always one of those towns. Was it something that, did you feel the same way? Oh yeah, dude, you might've brought us here because when we did that interview at Oddworld, there were, yeah. I've been here twice. I'd been here for, um, MTV brought us here to speak at Cal Poly. Yeah. And then you brought me here to go to Oddworld and we did that really awesome interview. Yeah. And um, actually we might've come twice now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Anyway, every time we I've ever come to this town, I just love San Luis Obispo. It's so cool here. And it's such a, it's just a neat vibe and it's the beach scene because it's right by Pismo Beach. Yeah. And so, you know, all through my 20s, I'm like randomly coming here and just falling in love with it every time. And so when Spencer, my husband's a, an eye surgeon, he's an ophthalmologist. Mm -hmm. So he did his residency at Yale. And when he finished at Yale, we were kind of like, where are we going to move? And I said, San Luis Obispo, it's halfway between LA and San Francisco. It's right on the coast. This is like a no brainer. It's the best town. Uh, well, first we said Vancouver next door to Vic, but then we realized <laughs> that he was licensed in America. So that was a hiccup. <laughs> so when we decided we couldn't be Canadians, we decided San Luis Obispo and uh, there was no job available at the time. So we got a job up north of San Fran and kind of waited. And eventually a job came up. And so we moved here a year, like a little less than a year ago. And it's been awesome. That's and great. I love it. And so you have to come visit next time you're in San Fran. Well, actually, my brother lives up in uh, Silicon Valley. Oh, so, no way. so yeah, I have reason to be in San Fran. You have reason to be in yeah, San Francisco. If you're going my, to uh, my, my, um, my wife and I have talked about doing the, uh, the Vancouver to LA road trip and just stopping off at a bunch of different places along the way. And, yeah. and taking Ruby, my daughter, with us on that awesome, uh, the coastal highway and all of that stuff. I would love to do that. And you live yeah, in a beautiful- live right on the one and I have two guest rooms. So you guys come okay. anytime you're here. <laughs> yes, we will do that. And we will, uh, we will shoot something along the way too. And maybe uh, we'll put you on the show, which would be so oh, rad. Crazy. Yes, so rad. Yeah. Um, so- when you think back on, on uh, EP, do you have a favorite segment that you were in? Because we just, you know, there was one, something that we did. We did the uh, Julie Stouffer memories. Right. Yeah. The Tomb Raider. Do you remember the Tomb Raider segment? I mean, there was a lot of CG in that, so it wasn't all me. But do you remember doing the Tomb Raider segment? I, I sort of. Take, take me back into it. What did we do? So I, I can't remember all the details of, like, even where we shot. But yeah. I was doing a lot of tumbles. I was doing a lot of rolling. We were at the old IDOS HQ in San Francisco. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was a long time ago. I mean, this was one of the earlier ones. And that was before. You always had like CG in the in the show. That was Tavis, that was, yeah. Who did you just, was it Travis or somebody? Tavis. 
Tavis was really getting it, man. He was like going, I mean, there were blasts and I was jumping out of a window and there was this complex. <laughs> so it's like, I remember filming it and that was really fun. And then watching it and I was like, I'm an ass. <laughs> <laughs> segment to watch actually <laughs> yeah that was awesome yeah. those are i mean that, those kinds of things putting the uh i love that i mean that was so much fun for me to direct the you guys whether it was you or tommy or jeff or whoever whoever in these crazy stunt type sequences and yeah. then to work with like because it took a whole team of editors and and tavis ended up doing so much graphic work on those things but it was a lot of, you know, cooperation and collaboration all the way along to get something together. And it, those were so rewarding. They were so fun, you know. And there's a, I don't, do you know Freddie Wong? Have you seen any of his YouTube videos, his, uh, his video game high school and stuff like that? There, there are these things that feel like movie versions of our old EP segments that these guys do, where they just get into these crazy, you know, everything's blowing up kind of sequences and stuff. I just look at that and I think, man, if we had stayed uh, doing things like your Tomb Raider segment, if that's what we had just focused on, we would be uh, doing these kinds of Freddie Wong type productions, you know? Yeah. That's what everybody well, remembers. When making they, when movies they... by now. I always figured you'd be, you would be awesome at making like the next Star Wars or the next kind of trilogy. I don't know what it would be, right? But like, I could just see you directing something like that. It would be amazing. <laughs> That's that. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. But, you know, I think about uh, uh, transitioning out of what I've been doing and uh, certainly lots of enticing ideas out there. And I think people probably wonder why don't I don't just do, make games or do other things. But I, I really I, I love this, you know, like I really I love this different everyday kind of life that I've been able to have, you know, and, and communicating with so many awesome creative people and then dipping into these different universes and, and uh, building these crazy segments and, and reviewing all of this material. And I, I feel like devoting myself to any one thing, I'm not opposed to it. Maybe one day I end up doing that, but devoting myself to one thing that takes two years or three years would feel very like I'm in slow-mo compared to how I've been living my life for the last 20 years, you know, like it's never the same day twice, you know, some I know. days I can and figure out Google. Like Hangout. the king of the industry, like as far as like video game news, like it's Vic, it's you, you know, everybody. <laughs> so it would be kind of weird to think like if you went off and made like a TV show or a movie and you were just gone for like years, yeah. We would be like, where did Vic go? <laughs> Come back, don't leave. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that'll, I, I, maybe I will do that, but it will be something um, sort of tangential to what I'm doing, like a really, you know, deep dive documentary or something like that, which I think would be a lot of fun. We we got a nice taste of our documentary work, and I really, really like that because it was again time to just soak up the atmosphere and live with these developers for a long time, and I really. I appreciated that because we don't always get that time when we're in a studio for a day or whatever or half a day. Um, but I, you know, I feel I feel like I love what I do, you know, and and I I feel very fortunate to be able to to do this. And I I honestly I look around and I feel like the way that we make content isn't really being done anywhere else still, you know, whether it's on the web or on television. So yeah. I'm not quite ready to hang it up just yet yeah you Maybe. got a good thing going <laughs> yeah 
I can't wait to see you in person, though. This is uh, this is all too brief, and and uh, and uh, you know, it's not enough. I know, I know. We'll we'll, we'll get together more, and for sure, I I just have like a ton of memories when I sit here and think about you know red carpets and talking to Harrison Ford and all these people, and then doing the segments with you that were just so animated and over the top. And Tommy is nuts. Yes. <laughs> you know, actually, you do the road trip. You come down the one, you stay yep. with me, and then you stay with Tommy. And doesn't yep. Jeff live in L.A. too? Jeff's yeah. in L.A., yep. Yeah, he's in L.A. Yep. Where's Jade? Jade's, Jade's in Montreal. She runs, oh. uh, she runs a studio for EA now. Yeah, She's what's worked- the deal? Because I heard she changed. She, she Yeah, she started the UB Toronto studio. So she was working at Ubisoft in Montreal, and then she started the, uh, the UB Toronto studio. And now she runs a, a studio called Motive in Montreal. Um, and she's working directly with Amy Hennig, who is uh, working on the next Star Wars game. She doesn't work at Naughty Dog anymore. She works at uh, Electronic Arts as well. And, but she's in San Francisco. So Amy and Jade are kind of shepherding interactive Star Wars with, you know, all of the play pieces of uh, modern technology and, and the resurgence in our love for Star Wars. Hey, what did you think of the new Star Wars? Have you seen it yet? I just wanted to ask you the same question. Yeah. I'm like what afraid you... to tell you what I thought of it, Vic. I'm like, no, super... come on. Every, everybody's got their own opinion. The hangout might end if you say you didn't like it, though. I loved it. Okay, good. the problem with loving it, Vic? Didn't you yeah. kind of feel like you were watching... The original Star Wars, like, didn't you just feel like they were giving you everything you ever loved about Star Wars? Which yes. is, I guess, great. But I, at the end, I was just kind of like, but wait, but wait. The, I knew that was, I've already done all that. <laughs> like, where was the, I don't know, is it heresy that I'm saying this? But I just kind no, of felt no, no. a little pander that's, too. That's, that's been uh, one of the major complaints about the movie is that it, it borrows so much from the from episode four. Uh, and pieces of five and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, even George Lucas in his echoes in the prequel trilogy, I think the the thing about the prequel trilogy that I do, you know, appreciate, and Blake and I have talked about this a lot, is that he was really risk-taking, you know. The movies weren't great, but he, Lucas was trying to build some totally brand new universe stuff there. And I don't think that episode seven reinvents the universe other than iterates on it. Um, but I think that was the job. I think that's what we wanted as, as movie viewers. And it was a bit weird. I mean, the first time, have you seen it once or twice? Or? Yeah, I've done several times. And the first time coming out, my husband was like trying to calm me down. And he was like, no, this is what the brand needed to do. They needed yeah. to get us back. They needed yeah. us to trust them again. You're supposed to love them. And that's why you feel, cause you know, like the little more hardcore game, like hardcore Star Wars fans are, online saying, oh, you know, totally pandering and I hated it and all this. But I think the mass, you know, I did like it. I loved it. In fact, the first half, I was absolutely like freaking out. I was so happy. But it was like that second half where I suddenly started being like, wait a minute. I've seen this before. Wait a minute. (laughs) Where's the new? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming. That's what my husband keeps telling me. Like the new is coming and this was good to get us all back in and trusting it again. I yeah, know. I mean that's that's the challenge. I just boosted my audio. I hope it's not too loud. I, I, um, I that was the challenge that JJ had, and and I, I think the pressure must have just been crazy because obviously he had to put his own thumbprint on this, but he had the job of of like building the industry again because Disney was prepared to 
you know, in capitalize on their six billion dollar investment and spend a fortune on all of the new Star Wars stuff, and he could not drop the ball. So they they, they absolutely played they played it. He played it a bit safe, yeah. And you know, people, uh, uh, you know, people have certainly rightly commented on that. I think, but um, I, I think it's okay. You know, I think that that it, it kind of made sense for them to to uh, take this course where we're uh, introduced to new characters, but we're still familiar enough with the surrounding Star Warsness that. Uh, it would feel comfortable right from the get-go. But, the, you know, the first time that you see the movie, I think you're just criticizing the movie that you're watching compared to the movie that you have and your expectations in your head. And I found that, I've only seen it twice, but that second screening was just really light and fun, and I, I loved it. And I can't wait to see it again, and I'm so hyped up for where they're taking us now. That's true, and I do agree with that. I, I loved seeing it. And then the second time, I just kind of put all that, the, the, like the politics... The yeah. I miss George because that's kind of how I felt. I was like, "Can we get George back in a little bit?" George <laughs> Lucas, yeah. but but then the second time, yeah, you just kind of like go with it, and you're like, "This is everything I love about Star Wars. Who cannot love this? This is great." Yeah, and so I'm and excited for the new ones, and well, you know, <laughs> who knows how many there'll be, but hopefully lots. Oh, <laughs> it's it's like it's never going to end, and that's kind of sad in some ways. You know, like I think one of the greatest things about Star Wars is that that hope for more that Lucas kind of, because he doled it out, right? And he made us wait for a long time. And I think that that uh, the expanded universe and the, and the books and the comics and the games and all the other stuff that came out of the wait for more movies was really fantastic. You know, it really let us seep into the, to the, uh, the world of Star Wars and just love it. And I don't, that's not going to happen this time. We're going to almost get too much Star Wars. <laughs> like we've got to we kind of miss the fact that we've like scared George Lucas. Well, we haven't scared him away from it. He's just choosing not to be involved. And like I kind of want him back. Is that bad to say that? No, no. There's there's actually a petition online there that uh somebody started to get him to direct episode nine. But I feel like George Lucas, I love the guy. I, I respect and appreciate everything he's done, but he kind of has just been a jerk about this this new release. Like just not just coming out and saying JJ did an awesome job. He just has not been able to say that. He said he made a movie that the fans will like, and uh, that's it's such a backhanded compliment, you know, because he doesn't appreciate the fans either, right? He's just angry at the fans because we didn't like Jar Jar. And <laughs> <laughs> it's like get, get over yourself, dude. You know, like you built something, and yes, it came from you, but. The, the minute you have something that crosses a billion dollars in a box office, it's no longer yours, you know? Like, this is, this is, it belongs to the world at some point, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, That's interesting. I, I'm glad you put it that way because you're right. You are right. It's like you kind of give your property over to the world and now yeah. you have to be open to other people. Coming. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's like Disney, right? Or Stan Lee. Like if these guys had said, well, that's not my Spider-Man or that's not the way I envisioned, you know, Mary Poppins. And how dare you make a live action version of Cinderella? You know, he created modern mythology around this this property and, and the, the sort of new fairy tale with the invention of Star Wars. 
And he just has to let it go and just appreciate that it will be interpreted and loved and and uh, and brought out in a lot of different flavors. You know what's amazing to watch? I don't know if you watch these, but the the Clone Wars and the Rebels animated stuff is especially after Episode Seven is just so fun you know it's really great escapism and dave filoni who has been the guy that's headed up both of those projects is he's the real deal he's an amazing conduit to uh and a you know an amazing ambassador for star wars yeah Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> all right let's yeah and that's what i love the most right and i talked about this with tommy last week is that we're now talking about star wars again and we're passionate about it and we're questioning what the future is and who's going to survive and i i love that yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. We got another question here because we got to let you go here. Uh, oh, Donnie's asking, is Blake okay with all this Star Wars talk? And Blake's just shaking his head and shrugging Why? quite a bit. Blake's opinion? He hated it. What? He, he thought it was a, a uh, just a cash grab and right. Am I speaking for you? And, uh, and, uh, and he's no, not I'm Mike. Kind of middle, I'm kind of the middle opinion there. They got Blake and then the lovers and. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that everybody that's that's been around for a, a long time with Star Wars probably has that sort of. I don't know. I can't. I, I I think. I think a lot of people went into the movie thinking, "Oh my God, are they just going to try to turn this into, you know, the machine?" And yeah. well, it's it's people in the industry too. It's like. You know, this, I feel like these are our babies. Don't yeah. mess, don't go mainstream with my babies. Yeah. So when I see like, when I see you taking Batman and doing crazy stuff with Batman, I get a little like, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I, I don't know how to feel about that. And so yeah. there's no way to please. I think that it's, I think it's very difficult in, I don't know. I, we have, a, we have a passionate industry and that's what makes us great. And yeah. that should never change. Yeah. But then, of course, that's why everyone's going to have very strong opinions about this stuff. <laughs> a, a passionate industry across all, like all, like the geek industry. Well, let's just call it that. I hate that label, but it's it's a okay. good summation. Uh, but with the ultimate power for communication with the internet, so everybody has the opportunity to go out and say, <laughs> you know, all the things that piss them off about them. Okay, I got a question here from uh, Silver Spider. Uh, what's both yours and Julie's views on virtual reality gaming? Do you think that uh, that's where Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo are headed, or is the technology not perfected yet? Did any of you experience it? What, what are your views on it? Uh, so what do you think about VR? Is this the future for gaming, Julie? Well, I know that this week, or was it last week in Vegas, they're having the big porn expo, and porn is very into VR. Yeah. So uh, they're going that direction hardcore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't really have much of an opinion about that. As far as, like, virtual reality and games, you know... You'll probably see a lot at PAX South. What'd you say? You'll probably see a lot at PAX South. I mean, every, yeah, I've heard that every conference you're just seeing more and more of this kind of stuff. And I'm trying to figure out how this translates into like my living room, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. I get really excited and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the next engagement. Like this is movies and video games colliding and this is going to be the new entertainment. And our kids will be like, you didn't have this. Are you crazy? You know? But yeah. then there's another part of me that wonders how we're going to like transition. Like, how, I don't know. Do you see, do you, can you see how that happens? Cause I can't wrap my head around it. Well, I mean, I, I think if you get um, a little nihilistic about it is that we're on this road to, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the threshold being crossed where we're part machine, part 
organic. And I, I, I think we're, we're, yeah, I think we're very few steps away from it when we start putting a screen this far away from our face, you know, like uh, suddenly we all look like robots, you know, and, and, uh, that's going to be electrifying, I think, for a few years. And then eventually uh, the, this, the sort of user friendliness of, of this stuff is just going to be very much like glasses or even built right onto our eyeballs. Well, listen, and- Vic, do you want to make a million dollars? Because I've got the husband to make this happen, right? My husband. <laughs> Why don't we invent like Mission Impossible lenses, right? Like the contacts. Yes. We'll get this going, you and me. We're going to make a gazillion dollars. Expense. The, uh, the TEDx Vancouver, uh, the last one that I went to that our, my co-host Scott Jones actually spoke at, um, it was a good, a good show. But then there was a guy that came up on stage and talked about wearables and talked about um, that it looks crazy now, right? All of these different kinds of gadgets around us, whether it's VR or huge watches or, or you know, the Google Glass or whatever. But this idea of augmented living through technology is is coming, you know, whether we want it to or not, you know, and to be afraid of it is is uh, totally fine. But it's uh, we are very much integrating with machine. And uh, I don't know, VR, it feels like a giant step in that direction. It's just like you're giving yourself over to the screen life, you know, and it even from a, you know, a uh, an addict like myself and somebody that just loves the idea of interactive escapism it just it it feels a bit freaky not being said i'm going to do it and enjoy my vr life and and play these games and talk about them like crazy but uh it is frightening i think in a lot of ways you know especially because we we cocoon as a society so much already and now that you know, the technology has advanced so quickly that things like this exist where you don't even need to be with people anymore to have pretty compelling and fun conversations. It, it just feels like another step in, in uh, disconnecting from reality and, and human beings, you know? Yeah. It's kind of exciting, kind of scary, <laughs> kind of exciting. Yes. I love my Apple Watch, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the idea of of putting on VR equipment and being able to kind of travel and almost coexist with somebody else that also has VR equipment on, and and obviously there'll be tactile sensors and things like that soon, and gloves, and porn's going to just have a heyday with all this shit. But But it's almost like we'd be able to go to, like, see Star Wars together tomorrow night. You want a VR hookup over our Google, whatever it's going to be, Google VR, whatever it's called. And we'll go get Blake, get Blake. And, and we'll get Blake. Yeah. We'll make him put on a headset in his house, but we will all be at star Wars episode eight together. I mean, that that's kind of cool in a way, right? That would be glorious. Yeah. I would love I'd prefer to just go to the theater with you though, in real life. True. At least in my head right now. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Somebody says, Donnie S. says, it'll be the Oasis from Ready Player One, which is a pretty good comment. Have you read Ready Player One? I have, just a second, Evelyn. No, I haven't. It's, it's very cool. Steven Spielberg's turning it into a movie right now. It's by a guy named Ernie Klein. And if you're into the gaming space, it's, uh, uh, and you dig the 80s and things like the DeLorean and Back to the Future, it's right up your alley. You're going to have a great time with that. Awesome. All right. Uh, I will. Uh, why aren't we on Twitch? 
We tried to do this on Twitch and YouTube, but uh, we're still we're still perfecting all of this. Okay, we very soon we will have all of the things wired up so that we are streaming everything to everybody in lots of cool new ways, and and uh, it will get better. And my audio will get better as well, Donnie. Thank you very much. And my kids uh, will stop puking. Next <laughs> <time>. <laughs> All right. You know what? I think that's probably a, that's probably a good time to call it. I think because I don't want to. I don't want your kids to feel too sick. And oh, poor things. But I also want this to not be the last time we do this this year. I think we got to do this a lot more often. How's All right, that's game. This is All my right. living room. Get used to seeing it. I think that's awesome. Virtually yeah. come over as much as you want. Okay, very cool. Well, I'll reach out to you. We'll uh, we will catch up some more, but we will also uh, you know talk about some of the things that are happening in your life and th some of the things that are happening in uh, in uh, you know video games and movies and TV shows and other things that uh, are going on that that you're interested in and affect you and and uh, you know I do have to say um, congratulations on this uh, adventure that you're on with your brothers and. Uh, uh, the other people that are participating in Kitty Soft Software or Kitty Soft Studios. Yes, uh, www.kittysoftstudios.com. Go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the plug. Uh, I can't wait to play the game. I have not yet, and I cannot wait to play it. We can talk about that next time that you're on. Um, but have an I'll awesome tell you about time. Packs next time. Next you time you're on. Talk I'll about which? Talk about packs next time. Oh, packs. And when is when is pack sell? Next weekend. Oh Same my God, that's amazing. Okay, yeah. yes, I would love to get back in touch with you and have a full report on Pax South. That would be incredible. Okay. But uh, I miss you. Miss you like yeah, crazy, and it's so good too. to see your face. Mwah, come and visit anytime. Mwah. We will. Mwah. Thank you, Julie. Big is the best. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in and for uh, sending us your questions and stuff. And we are going to be doing this a lot more, so stay tuned for all that. And uh, thanks for coming to my basement. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.